0: Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. Last podcast, you said the first brand that you remember making an impact on you was Walker biscuits and shortbread. Yes. So I ask you now, are you standing by that answer?
1: Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I could tell you, I could show you in my pantry right now. I think we have about six packs of Walker shortbread. Every time I see it, I pick it up.
0: So if you picked a second brand?
1: Probably British Airways. Like 11 years old, I wrote to the CEO of British Airways asking if I could be a flight attendant
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a reply?
1: They wrote back and it, it basically said, you know, it was super nice. And, you know, they really appreciated me contacting them. And it it stuck with me. And I think, you know, I ended up working for them. Um, they were really my sort of dream company.
0: Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it. And the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it. But the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today on the CMO podcast is a return guest. Three years ago, Heather Malincheck was the CMO at Harley Davidson, and she joined our show to talk about her passion for motorcycles. She actually started riding in Scotland at 12 years old. Well, today, Heather is the SVP, Chief Marketing Officer of Land O'Lakes, the $15 billion in revenue farmer and retailer owned cooperative. Land O'Lakes is 100 years old, and its business goes way beyond the famous consumer dairy brand, with business units in animal feed, sustainable farming practices, and agricultural retail. Heather has been at Land Lakes about two and a half years, and she is happier than ever, as you will hear. Heather was born and educated in Scotland before beginning an international career on both the ad agency and client sides. She has worked at the highly awarded agency DDB and BBDO, and on the client side, British Airways, Qantas, and of course, Harley-Davidson and Land Lakes. This is my conversation with a very purpose-driven CMO, Heather Malinczyk. Heather, welcome back to the CMO podcast, almost three years to the day. You were a guest on my (laughs) show when you were the CMO of Harley Davidson. And I just took a long walk this weekend and re-listened to that show, and it has so stood the test of time. It is a wonderful episode. So I highly recommend to our listeners to go back and listen to that one. But I want to ask you, what do you remember about that chat?
1: It's always interesting when we have these kind of interviews or I do these interviews because it reminds you of why you love what you do. And I think that was a big thing for me was just remembering the why of what we were doing every day Um, and talking a lot about our customers and the community and, uh, you know, the strength of the brand and the team. So I, I really appreciated the conversation. It was thought provoking for me, too. So. Um, I'm glad it was of value and stood the test of time. I can't believe it's been three years. Three years. I know. (laughs) It's
0: just incredible. We must be having fun because time is going very, very quickly. (laughs) So listen, I wanted to start off this conversation by following up on a few things from our talk three years ago. And the first one is you said at that time you were you might be getting a horse. Did oh, you yeah. get the horse?
1: So uh, it's a funny story. So I've been bouncing between Minnesota, which is where Landa Lakes is, uh, is based, in Arizona, which is my new home. And um, so I haven't physically got the horse yet, but I'm very engaged in um, an equine therapy program down here called Huncapi, which I'm on the board of, which is a nonprofit that is helping kids with autism, vets with PTSD, adults with special needs. Uh, about 300 people a week actually come through the program, wow. uh, and it's a it's like a ten acre farm in the middle of Scottsdale. It's this little haven, um, and next up for me now that we're settled down here is uh, is horse.
0: <laughs> How did you discover that organization?
1: You know, it was interesting. It was actually social media. So I I have been a, a recipient of that kind of therapy before, and it was really powerful for me. Um, I lost my dad and I was really struggling with, uh, sort of thinking through that, you know, and I live 5,000 miles away from my parents. So there was a lot that came with that. And I just, um, I just tried it and I was just blown away by the impact that it had on me and saw the impact on others. And so I started following a few folks on social media and I came across Tara Shad, who's the, she, she runs Huncapi. She's really the heart and soul of it. And, um, and I was just, you know, I was just blown away by her and she will tell you, she doesn't have a social media presence. She absolutely does. (laughs) Um, she's very compelling. So I loved her story. I loved the story of the organization and, uh, just super thrilled to be on the board.
0: You've lived all over the world in all sorts of cities. And we talked about this last time and you said that your favorite city that you've ever lived in was Milwaukee. It doesn't sound like you're there anymore. You're down in Arizona, but would you still answer that question that way?
1: Uh, You know, I think I think I would. I mean, apart from where we're at now, which I just absolutely love this. I love the desert. I just love the desert. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, you know, I come from Scotland, for God's sakes.
0: Especially <laughs> in the winter. The desert in the winter is just amazing. <laughs>
1: it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's, today, it's like 75 and sunny outside. It's just abundant sunshine. But in fact, I was talking to somebody about this the other week. I've got quite a few of my team at Land Lakes who live in, live in Minnesota. I live in Wisconsin or are from Wisconsin. So I have a lot of Wisconsinites. And um, we were just talking about Milwaukee the other day and just what a wonderful city it is. And I think it's it's underrated in many cases, but it has such an amazing heart to it. Sports teams, art scene, food scene, museums, architecture. I mean, it just has it all. And it's, you know, 90 miles north of Chicago and it's much more manageable. But yeah, it's been uh, I would certainly be on my on my top of my list.
0: We talked about tattoos last time, and I'm kind of inspired to get one this year—my first. Are you really? And we can we can talk about that later if you'd like. But any new tattoos? <laughs> any new tattoos since we last talked?
1: Um, I actually got one to uh, to uh, honor my dad, so I have one oh. there, and then i have uh, I have plans for another one, which uh, I yet to find the tattoo artist. I want to get it done down here, so. Uh, that's going to be, you know, finding the right artist is really the number one for me and then figuring out what you want. But uh, I think it's a wonderful thing to do, obviously. And I, I forget I have them now sometimes. So it's it's less of a shock to people, I think, these days when people see people yeah, with tattoos. Sure. But certainly when I first had them and I've got two full sleeves and I've got stuff on my back, people were like, oh, my God. And I had, a, <laughs> I actually had a former boss at one of the agencies I worked with who shall remain nameless, who at one point said, We're really too Midwestern. So can you just take your jacket off and show off your tattoos so that we look a little bit edgy? (laughs) Oh, God. So, you know, that's changed a little.
0: Well, my son has found a great artist in Detroit and I will probably use that artist.
1: Yeah, Detroit's actually got a really good community of tattoo artists. So good choice.
0: And finally, you suggested last time we talked that we have Deb Wall from GM on the show and we have done that. And I thank you. It was a wonderful episode.
1: Yeah, she's am- amazing. She's she's, uh, she's an incredible, incredible inspiration to a lot of us.
0: I think what's interesting is both you and Deb, a big factor on how you thought about your career moves, you know, yours to Land Lakes and her to GM, was the CEO. Yeah. And I think these two CEOs, Mary Barra at GM and Beth Ford at Land Lakes, are amazing leaders, oh. amazing women. So... I'd like you to talk about that to start off for a bit. What What is it like working with a leader like Beth Ford?
1: Yeah, so this, the shocking thing is I haven't had a female CEO um, as a CMO before. <laughs> and Beth uh, Beth is one of the most, you know, probably the number one reason I'm at Land Lakes right now. And I had been following her a little bit before. But I will tell you, I think it's not just the fact that she's a female C- CEO. She is um, the most people-centric leader I have ever worked for. And she has a tremendous passion and compassion about her. Uh, she's tough. Like you gotta know your numbers, you know, you gotta know what you're, what you're doing in your level of, on your area of expertise, but she cares at a very deep level about our, our members, our owners. So we're a cooperative and we can talk a little bit more about that, Mm -hmm. but also our team. And, um, I think, you know, she comes from humble beginnings. So I think that's maybe part of it. Um, she's never forgotten where she came from. Um, but she just, she's a force of nature. And I have to tell you, I, so I run corporate communications as part of my, as part of my remit. It's always a little, you always get a little nervous about putting the CEO in front of media sometimes. You're never sure what's going to happen. Beth is just like, she is solid. Like with the media, she's tremendously authentic in who she is. So the story I always tell people is, Two weeks into my job at Land O'Lakes, um, Beth and I had a conversation about something. And I, I was talking to one of my peers and I said, what do you think she meant? And they said exactly what she said. <laughs> There's no, you know, it's just very, she's just very straightforward and direct that way. But she's just been an incredible supporter of our work. Um, she's a believer in the power of brands. Uh, she's given me a ton of autonomy and freedom to, to sort of prove some of that out. And, um, and I, am just, I, I'm thrilled to be working with somebody like her.
0: How does she show that she's a believer in brands?
1: You know, I love it when people say, oh, I'm, I'm not a marketer, but then it's followed by a but, and then they give you five other ideas. And she's been very clear on that. She's I hired you for your expertise. Um, but she, she believes in the power. I mean, we have some very iconic brands within Land O'Lakes. So not only our namesake, Land O'Lakes and the dairy food side, but we have the Purina brand. In animal nutrition, we have, we're growing the Trutera brand. We have brands like Winfield United and the Ag Space. So we have some really good iconic brands. And so she, I think her view has always been we've never really leveraged them in the way that we needed to. And then the other part of when I came into Land O'Lakes was, was really looking at, I mean, what blew me away was I I got the call from a recruiter and I'm like, I don't know if I want to work in butter, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back to CPG land. Um, but I took the call and one of my first calls was with Beth and I was just like, wow. And I started digging into the company and realizing the scope and the expansiveness of, of what we offer, but then the impact that we have, that became really compelling for me. And she said to me at the outset, you know, we've got, we got all of this. And I was like, people need to know this story. Um, so I spent a little bit of time in my uh, sort of early days at Land o Lakes, really starting to pull together the enterprise to talk about the enterprise's story, because that's where I thought the real power was. And I think I think it's helped going through that work and demonstrating that work to Beth and the work that we've done has really uh, made her even more of a believer, I think, in what brands can actually do.
0: I want to talk about the enterprise purpose work a little bit later in the show, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to I want to stay a little bit with Beth. She's a big reason you came and obviously a big reason you've been there two and a half years. I'd like you to reflect on how you have evolved as a leader, Heather. I mean, you're experienced. You came into this job with a lot of know-how, but how have you evolved as a leader in two and a half years working with Beth?
1: Uh, So I would say I've always thought of myself as a fairly people-centric leader, Um, but I think I'm a better, more people-centric leader having worked with Beth. Um, and I, I feel like I've, you know, really stepped into, um, my role as part of the executive team more. Um, and that's in part because of the environment and the, you know, that that Beth sets, right. She wants our executive team to be working together. There is no sense of like, well, you can't talk about that because that's not your department. You know, we work together as a team. And I think that's, that's really helped me have a better understanding of, Oof, things like supply chain, which I didn't know anything about before. You know, we are, I mean, that's got to be one of the toughest jobs to have these days. Um, so it's been, I've, I think I've expanded my view of the organization and been more involved in the business than perhaps I have been in previous marketing roles. And that's been really, uh, it's been really fulfilling for me too.
0: What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. When I interviewed you last, I thought you were really in your zone. Right. You were really energized, really lit up. But from what I've seen and what I've read, Mm -hmm. I think you're even more in your zone now. And I know you're already talking about the impact of Beth and so on. But I'd like you to talk a bit about that. What is it about this time in your life, this company?
1: Yeah, so. I I have to say coming from, coming from Harley Davidson, which is, you know, has a very strong brand purpose, um, incredible customers and community, incredible dealer network that I was very close to. Um, I thought this is going to be, this is going to be tough, but I am at that point in my career where, and I always laugh when people say young people coming in today want a purposeful career. I'm like, well, so do I, (laughs) I'm not a young person anymore. So I think I found that here at Land Lakes and, Yes, with Beth, but just our cooperative overall. I mean, so I thought I was going to miss the Dealer Network, and I do, uh, in case any of them are listening. I do miss you guys terribly. But I have I have equally strong reasons to get up for work every day because we are serving our members and our owners. So we're owned by just under a 1,000 ag retailers. So if you think about those rural communities where you have the heart and soul of the community is the guys who give and the women who give fuel and work with the agronomy expertise and grain expertise and all of those things with the farmers. We have 1,600 dairy members um, who own us, and then we have about 750 rural crop farmers as well. So those are the guys I get up for every day. And I've spent um, a fair bit of time, not as much as I wanted to because of COVID, out in the country with these folks. I get my team out there now and making sure that they're face-to-face with one of our members to see that the the amount of resourcefulness and resilience, um, the creativity that goes on. I mean, you can't be a farmer today without being somewhat optimistic about your future because otherwise you'd just give up and lie in the middle of the field and cry. Um, They're just incredible human beings and they are supporting not just their families, but they are really supporting their communities in which they're they're living in and they serve. So to be able to do the work that we do to help serve and support them has been something that's really um, been very meaningful for me. And, you know, we're doing things, and again, kind of going back to Beth, but as a company, we are doing things to advocate for rural America, for getting broadband connection in rural America. So our work goes way beyond, and I think that's the part that I get excited about too, it's way beyond the marketing um, it, is, it is how we can impact things and make lives better. there's a lot more to my job um, here at Landa Lakes, I think than I've ever had before, and being part of being able to make that kind of impact is is really powerful for me.
0: I was thinking about you this morning as I had my toast, my multigrain toast <laughs> I was putting I was putting landa Lakes, you know the butter with sea salt and olive oil, which I use every day. I was spreading that on my toast, but I looked at your package. And, you know, there's a major packaging change that happened before you came, I think, where you changed yeah. your logo and so on. And you got a lot of publicity on that. But, I mean, your purpose is all over that package yeah. in a in a beautiful and a simple way. And I just thought, wow, this is uh, – why don't more brands do this? Yeah. You well, know, I, it, I could tell what you're about and why you care from looking at that package.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad to say that because I think part of the packaging change, to be honest, was to bring that to the forefront because – what we heard from consumers was when they found out we were a co-op and were owned by farmers, that that made a really big difference in why they would think about it. So- and if you go to the supermarket today, there's a lot of brands out there talking about, you know, locally sourced and things like that. But you can follow the money for us, right? So you buy our butter, that money eventually goes all the way back to the farmer and their community to support. So that's the powerful thing for me. Not only do we make amazing butter products, but if the, the money is being used in rural communities. Um, so that was part of the packaging change was to... I mean, I think to contemporize, but also to bring that story to the forefront. So I'm glad you're seeing that too.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, you, you've been CMO of two big iconic brands. You're already talking about your role, but I'd like you to go a little bit deeper on that. How How is the role at Land Lakes as SVP CMO similar or different to the role you had at Harley-Davidson?
1: Um, I would say it's more complex than it was at harley I mean, not that Harley's not a complex business, but, you know, I have have four different business units within Land O'Lakes. So we go everything from True Terror, which is our sustainability solutions, that's, you know, working with sort of advancing, connecting sustainability practices across the food system to Winfield United, which is, you know, fully in ag, crop inputs, agronomy expertise, insights, ag tech, which... uh, this is the thing I came in. I was like, Oh my God, I, this is not only a new industry, but I got to learn all this stuff. Um, and then we have our animal nutrition division that's feeding the animals that live on the, on the land. And we have a, we have a farm in Missouri that's got you know, 25 PhDs that, that work every single day to try and help b- bring better nutrition. And then we have our dairy foods business, which is about 30% of our business. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the thing when I came in and said, wow, there's so much, to, there's so many stories we could tell here. We need to kind of pull this together. And uh, I got a little bit of the like, ah, well, we've tried that before. And it's, don't worry if you don't figure it out, because it's really, it is really complex. Um, and we, we did figure it out, but I think for me, it's just, it's the complexity of the business. Um, cause even in our dairy foods business, you know, we're not a typical CPG. Right. And I, and I, and I love that about it because I'm learning something new every single day. And I would say the culture that we have at Lambda Lakes was so welcoming to me because, um, You know, I mean, you come into a new company and I I didn't come from an ag background. I mean, I grew up in a rural community in Scotland, but I didn't know that we used drones in agriculture today. So I thought I'd get a little bit of the, you know, oh God, here's the new girl. But people were so nice and so welcoming and so um, happy to answer questions that, uh, you know, I I felt at home pretty quickly.
0: I mean, a big remit of every CMO is to build the right capabilities, right? So that you can compete and attract people and, and win in the marketplace. How are the capabilities and marketing different at Land versus Harley Davidson?
1: We have some amazing brands. I don't know that we've always had, i um, trying to think how to put this really, but just the, the more modern versions of marketing, right? I think we had, just, I think we had relied on a lot of traditional ways of marketing in the past. So we'll tell you, and I think we were the same as many companies during COVID it was like, oh crap, ecom! Like we got to get into into that in a bigger way than we've been before. So, um, what I've been doing over the last two and a half years is really helping us to build our skill sets in what I would consider modern marketing practices, um, and not just sort of the rinse and repeat that we've been doing a little bit of before. And the team now, I've got some incredible people in the team who are experts in the media space, social space, and everything. So we've really we've got a really nice mix of. Tribal knowledge of land, lakes, and what we've done, and and folks who are just really coming in and energizing the team in some of these new spaces, and we're trying some things, so we're getting a little bit more experimental than we have before. I would say that the hard thing is, on the one hand, you know that that's fine, but we always have to, and I've pushed on, you know, we've got to be able to be a growth engine for the company. We've got to demonstrate that impact for the company. We've got to show the value that we're bringing. Not to be defensive, but at the end of the day, we're spending money that would go back to our owners and our members. So I have to be a steward of that. So we, I think we're in a much better place than we were two and a half years ago, where I think we were uh, we were not as accountable to the, to the impact that we were having.
0: I mean, you're in a complex job with lots of stakeholders. How do you ensure that everyone believes in what you and your team do and believes in the power of marketing? in all of the business units. And that's a challenge for I think almost every CMO. I come from a company at PNG where they just kind of believe in it, but it doesn't put you off the hook in measuring it and showing progress. But how do you do that with this wide-ranging group of of people who are important for you, important for the brand and uh, and, and play a big role in who the brand is?
1: For me the first thing is transparency and I've worked with clients when I was on the agency side this way too, where marketing is just this big black hole. Like there's this ma- massive dollar amount that people see, which ours is not that massive. Um, but there's this big budget that people see and they don't really know where it goes. So for me, it's transparency. So I set the vision for the group being about being a growth engine. And I talked about how we were going to go about doing that. And then we started reporting out on the data. And in some cases it was not good. We were trying stuff and it wasn't working. And um, and I think that got us a little bit of credibility and respect from the from the group. And I said, you know, this didn't work. But here's what we're doing about it, and we're going to do something else different, and we're going to report out on that. So I think getting much more structured and disciplined in how we not only uh, tracked but also reported out on some of those things, I think, has made a big difference. And I mean, when I came in, I'll be honest, I didn't even hear that marketing was a cost. Marketing was a tax. <laughs> that I, yeah, and that word just. a good word. No, not a good word. So, so I was bound and determined to change that. And some of that's about, you know, it's building relationships, right? So we have to be tight with IT and we have to be tight with HR, but I had to build a, a strong relationship with all of the business unit owners and really get to, you know, the heart of what we could do and speak their language. Not a big marketing speak person anyway. So I just tried to reach them where mm-hmm. they were and try and help them understand um, where we could really have an impact. And so you know it didn't happen overnight but i think between me and the team we've made some really big progress um and i see that through you know when we go and ask for investment in it now um i would get a stiff hand pretty immediately when i first came to Landa lakes and now people are like going okay yeah let's let's do this let's let's invest here it's a constant i think we have to continue to do that and I know people get tired of like, oh, it's proving value. I said, no, it's just, it's like anything else. We're just being transparent in the work that we're doing and there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Now, one thing that's similar to Harley-Davidson is both of these brands are what, 100 years plus? hmm And they both have sort of a big network of dealers and so on and so forth. So yeah. they have sort of multi-level marketing. One thing that I know you tackled at both companies was this area of purpose, mm-hmm. right? It's very, very... You know, you, you, were a heart, you were a rider, you loved motorcycles. It was really baked into who you were. Yeah. And you, so you went very naturally into kind of amplifying what was very special about Harley-Davidson. Here at Land Lakes, at least from what I have seen, you've tackled this area of enterprise purpose, which you referred to a few minutes ago. A lot of multi-brand companies have that challenge. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I talk to have a lot of trouble getting traction for embarking on an, enter- in an enterprise purpose. So I'd like you to first talk about why you and your team decided that this was important for the company, important for the business, important for your people, important for your customers.
1: This is actually, was a a real blessing for me, to be honest with you, because, so I joined in the middle of COVID. I joined in 2020, September, 2020. So I didn't meet most of my team in person until the following year. Um So much of this work actually happened you know over Zoom and without actually meeting people in person, but I think that actually benefited us. But my point to the to the executive team coming in sort of looking at my you know first thirty days was there's just so much here that we need to talk about, but we can't be doing what we've done in the past, which is these disparate stories all over the place. The power is really in bringing it together and again, you know, I had the a little bit of the pushback, well, it's a little complex, this is you know. Yeah, let's just not take on too much, but you're the new girl. So, you know, I think they were just being really nice about giving me a shot, which actually was was great. Um, and so I embarked on a, I had a small group of people, literally like one strategy person on my team. We pulled in a great resource in the company called Zeus Jones, who are a, a bunch of ex-planners essentially from Fallon, um, some really incredible brains and and we got to work. But the one thing I think that was really the unlock in terms of traction and ownership is um, I never wanted this to be a marketing exercise. This was about showing a little bit of showing the organization and building some confidence in the fact that we had a great story to tell. We're a very Midwest, humble Midwest company who didn't like to chest beat or anything. So and Beth talked about this all the time. She still does like we like we sneak up on people you know, but people then go like, oh my God, like land lakes. And I said, well, we need to do a little less sneaking and a little bit more being a little bit more confident in how we talk about things. So, um, so I, I am amassed a team, small team, but I picked people, had picked people across the organization that I had had some initial conversations with who just intrigued me and thought, I thought, well, there's a lot of potential there. So we pulled together people from finance and operations and the business and some, and definitely some marketing folks said, but we pulled together a pretty eclectic group of folks. So in the course of all of this, we had this cross-functional team, which by the way, some of them had not actually met each other before. They're a big company, right? So they hadn't worked together before, I should say. And so that was was really good. And it took us a little while to get our groove, but then we started getting into this position where people were getting really psyched about this because they were like, Oh my God, like, maybe we should be about this. Maybe we should be about that. And they were dreaming big and the ambition was getting bigger. And then we tapped into the executive team every now and again for a little bit of feedback. And then we kept moving. And so we didn't we didn't let some of the feedback stop us because sometimes it was like, oh, I have to go back to square one. But we basically got through that process and ended up in this position where, you know, people had a real sense of ownership of the work. And I think that was the key. So what we ended up putting together as our purpose was that we wanted, our role was really about putting farmers in, and our ag retailers at the heart of creating a better world for all of us. And we had a tagline, I would say, before. We had this tagline of feeding human progress, which in my um, observations and in discussions, people didn't really know what that meant. Uh, it felt really broad. And, and you, if you talk to somebody in, in the production lines, they were like, I don't know what that means. Like, what am I doing? So that was part of the problem. When we came up with the purpose, I said, this is still really broad. So where are the areas of impact that we're going to have? So we landed on on three key areas of impact, which was around sustainable futures. So we are working with our member owners to be really developing and establishing these sustainable farming practices, Um, vibrant rural communities, which is something that we are very passionate about. Um, And we are present in about 10,000 rural communities across the U.S., and then um, a safe and plentiful food supply, which has become uh, much more to the forefront of people's conversations recently, uh, thankfully. But if you are, you know, if you have food on your table, you should thank a farmer because <laughs> it comes from them some way, shape or form. So those were the three areas. And then we started to drill that down even further. The goal was really to say, like, if wherever you work in the company, you know how you contribute towards that. And that was really key.
0: How did you do that, Heather? You just just breezed right through that statement. But how how everyone in the company sees how they relate to this and how their work relates, that's where it usually falls apart, this area of purpose. So how how did that happen?
1: So, and we're still working on this too, but one of the things, the decision that we made was rather than going out and talking about this externally, we would double down on the team. So we would actually start by getting really clear on our employer brand, which we really needed to Mm -hmm. define that. Um, we looked at things like our employee value proposition and, and that started to, and we now have a, a set of competencies, leadership competencies that we have developed as well. You know, we're getting out to all of the different groups and having discussions with them. And I'm actually in, uh, one of our facilities in California next week. And I want to talk to them because production, non-production, right? We, we had this at Harley too. It's like you talk to one group and they feel another the group feels left out. So I want to understand from our, production employees who, by the way, nothing happens without them. So I want to talk to them and say, what's important for you to feel really connected to this work and our purpose Um, so we can build that out. But we're starting to feel like from a marketing perspective, we're, we're good. From the business perspective, I think it's helping the businesses, each of the businesses understand how they contribute back to this overall goal. We're probably spending more time on that than I would have done in the past, but that's been super important for us to do. And then we've now gone out externally. We started sort of August September time getting out externally and telling our story, um, and that's building a point of pride, I think, from the organisation um, and from our member owners as well about what we're what we're actually saying. So it's been it's been a good journey actually, and you know it's still it's still a still going to continue because it takes time and work to get it really in the bricks, which is what I intend to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really never ends. No. I'd like, I know it's early days, Heather, but how has this enterprise purpose journey changed the company?
1: I'm not taking credit for this on my uh, myself. This was a team. It really does take a village with this work. I've seen a shift in how we think as an organization. So best vision was always that we work more as an enterprise and not just these four mm-hmm. separate business units. So I've seen a real shift in how we think about things and much more across business um uh, integration, um, ideation, working together on growth strategies, those sorts of things. I've seen more of the conversation changing. Um, and I've also seen people understanding and i starting to really understand like this, the, the Land Lakes enterprise brand really has some tremendous value. And in some cases, so our TrueTerra business in sustainability um, solutions, they're a new brand and they're working with some really big players in the industry because they work with big food companies all across the food chain. And for them to be able to go in and say they are part of Land Lakes is something that is very valuable for them. So we're starting to see some of that, which, which didn't happen in the past because we really didn't have a clear articulation of the brand. So it's been really heartening for me to see that, you know, even if I think about it from a talent standpoint, we're seeing people want to uh, move across the enterprise in ways that they didn't before. And I will tell you, I mean, I say this to the team all the time. You can have a full marketing career at Land O'Lakes because you can be in B2B, B2C, you can be in agriculture, you can be in sustainability, you can be in dairy foods. Uh, there's so much opportunity for people. And so I, I believe we're we're um, making a very compelling case for retention of people now because they can see what the broader story is. And, and we're seeing that in our engagement scores, uh, people feeling really connected to the purpose of the company, We've seen some really good improvements there. We're seeing it in our brand reputation scores as we're getting out externally and talking about this. You know, there's silly things we're seeing, like people. That, so, this is the other thing coming from Harley, you know, we all wore Harley merchandise all the time. And uh, and I came to Land Lakes and I was like, why is nobody wearing <laughs> Land Lake stuff? Um, so, we really completely um, redid all of our merchandise, um, upgraded all of our suppliers to having, you know, suppliers that are sustainably sourced and like really cool clothing people wanted to wear. Um, and now our merchandise sales are like through the roof. So <laughs> I have some very talented designers in our design studio who um, really got excited about doing this and, and we're starting to see that. So people are literally wearing the brand on their, on their chests as they go into work. And that to me is a big thing.
0: This sounds really great. And it's, has anything not gone as well as you would like? And how, how have you handled that?
1: Um, you know, it can be slow, I would say, um, slower than I would like. It's interesting because I remember when we were starting this enterprise work, I said, you know, we're going to, we're going to get this done in 60 days. And, and Beth just looked at me, and said,
0: nope.
1: you know, go ahead, try. Um, and she said, it just, you know, it just takes, takes longer than that here. And so it did take us longer than, than we thought, Um, but apparently a lot faster than normally it's done. So that was good. Some of it, to be honest with you, I think is building, uh, I go back to that sort of Midwest humble sort of Mm -hmm. culture is some of it's about building confidence. You know, I, I, it's good to come in from the outside. And I'm looking at my folks and saying like, stuff we're doing is incredible. And they're like, Oh, we just do that every day. And I said, no, but it's incredible. It's like, you really have some pride in this. I mean, we have a brand in our animal nutrition division called Missouri that is um, nutrition for like exotic pets and zoo animals, essentially. Right. So we, we feed a whole lot of the zoo animals in the U S which is another like fun fact. You never knew about land lakes. And we've saved some species from extinction because of the, um, because of the nutrition that we've provided from the expertise from our PhDs. I mean, there's some, just some beautiful stories. I think, Building confidence and, and uh, a little swagger uh, amongst the organization has been important. And I think, you know, I haven't had as much engagement with the board uh, at Land Lakes as, I mean, I was in front of the board a lot at Harley Davidson. Um, not as much at Land O'Lakes, and I want to change that a little bit because I want to make sure that they are understanding the value that we can bring.
0: You said you embarked on this because you were kind of all over the place in terms of stories. You didn't have a unified sense of what the enterprise brand was. So so how specific were you in measuring this? Or did you just feel like it was the right thing to do? And you're going to have all sorts of benefits if you start this journey.
1: I was really committed to making sure that we tracked this, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't, again, I didn't want this to be a marketing exercise. I didn't want people to feel like, oh, well, that was fun. But, you know, we got some new t-shirts and we... We have a new logo, and look at that's great. So I wanted to make sure we took people on the journey, and we're continuing to do that on how this work evolves. So this is not like this is not a new tagline for the year. This is at the heart of everything we do. So I had some goals in my head in terms of uh, impacting how we thought about growth, impacting how we worked as an enterprise. I mean, I can't control all of that, but I wanted to make sure we had the impact. But from a from a data standpoint, I wanted to make sure we did some really um, uh, tracking on brand value, tracking on brand reputation to see the influence and impact we were having. And then also surveying like our members and our owners to see how they were feeling about this work too. So we have some measures and KPIs. Some of them are going to take longer to, uh, to come to fruition. And, you know, that's always can be a bit of a struggle because people are like, well, what's going on? What's going on? It's like, well, some of this takes a while to build. And technically we've only really been out since... September, October mm-hmm. talking about this yeah. in any big way. So, um, but the organization has been, you know, patient, um, because I think we're start also starting to see, which was another one of the KPIs, which is the employer or the employee piece of this.
0: Why do you think it's resonating so much internally?
1: I think we were searching for this, <laughs> you know, we are 102 years old this year. So at the time when we did this work, we were coming into our hundredth anniversary, um, and you know, there's a lot happening in the industry. There's a lot of disruption in the industry. So, I think there was a little fear that maybe we're going to get left behind. Like being 100 years old is great, but like, what are we, what are we really doing into the future? Like, how are we paving our path? What's our vision? They may not have known this was what they needed, but I think they were hungry for it. So, it gave a little bit of a spring in the step of folks as we talked about um, our new growth strategies and why we could compete effectively with some of, you know, plant-based alternative dairy and meat, those sorts of things. Um, We have a really good uh, opportunity to do that. And I think this helped bring that to life.
0: I would like you to summarize all this. If you were to sit in (laughs) front of a group of people who were all about to embark on their own enterprise purpose journey at their companies, what would be two or three pieces of advice that you've learned from this journey as a leader?
1: Um, Don't make it a marketing exercise. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one. Involve other people in the organization. Uh, You'll find creativity in areas you never thought you could, but that really helps with the ownership. I think, uh, you know, take your time. Uh, I was impatient to get it done, but actually taking a bit longer and getting input and alignment along the way from the executive team really helped make the work better. Uh, And in some cases we had to Literally start again, Um, but that was in service of what ended up being really strong work. And then I think some transparency, again, I'll go back to transparency on how you're tracking this and helping build some, or set some expectations and then being transparent about how things are going.
0: I want to flip into the creative brief now, Heather. And my first question is, in the last podcast, you said the first brand that you remember making an impact on you was Walker biscuits and shortbread. Yes. So I ask you now, are you standing by that answer?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you, I could show you in my pantry right now. I think we have about six packs of Walker shortbread. Every time I see it, I pick it
0: up. We had a bunch at Christmas. I think we had, we at least went through six packs.
1: There's a supermarket here in Arizona and they have a British section. And uh, I I just, I love it. So I'm like Aero bars and, you know, all these um, wine gums and all these weird things that I forgot about. And some of them are not as good as I remember them from childhood. But Walker's shortbread is definitely, I'll stick with that. That and the Macallan is the yeah. other one.
0: <laughs> so if you picked a second brand that made an impact on you early in your life, it would be?
1: Probably British Airways. I don't know if I told you the story in the last podcast, but like 11 years old, I wrote to the CEO of British Airways asking him if I could be a flight attendant.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you didn't tell me that. Good for you. Did you get a reply?
1: They wrote back. They wrote back, <laughs> which was them. amazing. I still have the letter. Um, and it, it basically said, you know, it was super nice. And, you know, they really appreciated me contacting them. And it it stuck with me. And I think, you know, I ended up working for them. Um, yeah. They were really my sort of dream uh dream company as a uh, you know when i wanted to travel i wanted to get to the airline business so uh yeah so i think i think british airways and i did not want to be a flight attendant i figured that out pretty quickly but right. you know they were and I, I think in many ways still are just you know a, an amazing brand
0: i just flew them nonstop from san diego to london right before christmas and they did a great job
1: good yeah i did some work when i was with them on our uh, economy class or coach class mm-hmm. because We had such a great reputation and first in club and had built, you know, really were at the leading edge of the innovation there. But our our economy cabin was not great. And we had a wonderful competitor in Richard Branson, who was delivering fun and was great for families and all these amazing things. So we had the board actually fly one way on uh, British Airways to New York and fly back on Virgin with young family. Um, oh, and we you. placed them in economy, which probably most of them yeah. have not flown economy for many years. Yeah. Um, and we got the investment in economy class, changing not just the environment and the infrastructure and, you know, food trays and all that sort of stuff and colors, but also the service style, because mm-hmm. very efficient, sometimes a little bit cold and distant in our service Worked a little bit in in, first in business, but when you got into that economy cabin, we really needed to meet the customers a little bit closer to where they were and provide a little bit more fun. So
0: we are in the Super Bowl season, and I know and you worked in advertising for many years in your life. So what's the best Super Bowl ad you've ever worked on and why?
1: Um, So it's actually so I was thinking today it's actually come a little bit full circle. So uh, I worked at DB. Um I was I had the fortune of working with some amazing creatives who did a lot of the great Super Bowl ads. It's very hard to beat the Budweiser uh Clydesdale yeah. ads, uh to be honest. So now at Land Lakes, we actually uh we feed the Budweiser Clydesdales. Oh wow. Um I was actually down there a few months ago in the stables with them. The stables are just incredible, <laughs> just nicer than most people's houses. So I think Budweiser Budweiser would be Uh, very hard for me to be, And I know a lot of companies have done, you know, fun, crazy things, but um, I don't know if Super Bowl ads are what they used to be. Used to be fun, exciting, surprising. Now we see them all beforehand. And I don't know. It's uh, probably more interesting to see what's going on around Super Bowl than it is at Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, it's still a showcase and people are leveraging it for many, many more weeks. And it still is, if done right, it still is a great place to get noticed. And get awareness and get interest in your brand and if it does that it's a it's got a very high return on that investment
1: yeah in and in a very small way so with our enterprise work we did a um an activation with the big 10 in october this year so mm-hmm. as we went out externally we have a we had a campaign called farmers are incredible just tr- trying to raise awareness of the importance of farmers in in our in our lives and um Big Ten were a fantastic partner with us, and we got some really great coverage. It was Purdue, Nebraska, and during the game, Perfect. we had uh, they had the most incredible marching band, and we don't have these in the UK, so I'm not used to. Them. Just these people were so incredibly talented. So they formed all these different formations on the field. You know, they even had like the American Gothic, where the the man ho- passes the pitchfork mm-hmm. to the woman, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then we did a thank you to farmers. We had farmers stand up in the stadium and we thanked them wow. and man, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I mean, it was, it was incredible. So it's a great, it, I mean, we're not in Super Bowl territory for us, but, um, it is a, you know, I think it's a great way when everybody's coming together and connecting with family and friends, it's still a great, uh, opportunity.
0: Sounds like you need to do more with the big 10. That's my takeaway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been a good partner. So looking forward to that.
0: So what are you reading these days? What are you listening to? What are you watching?
1: Uh, So this is going to sound self-serving, but so I I do listen to your podcast all the time. Um, Thank you. And I I just, I enjoy it because it's always good to connect with people in our community and somewhat understand that you're not alone in some of the challenges, but also learning a ton from different industries and things like that. Um, I haven't read anything. So I've been, I'm trying to read Goldfinch right now, which is the Goldfinch by Donna Tartt. So I'm sort of working Mm -hmm. my way through that podcast is really the way that I'm learning and listening to things these days. It's just, it's so efficient and I enjoy it.
0: Who has been the most influential mentor in your business career?
1: I would, I would actually say Beth, um, at this point. So I think there's two, I had a former boss that really showed me what it was, what I didn't want to be as a leader, let's just put it that way. So mentors come in all forms, right? Um, and I think Beth this time because I just genuinely love the way she uh, love the way she leads. I love her um, her authenticity and her passion. We'll do things with Beth where we have town halls with with uh, teams, or we get our employee resource groups together, and we'll have Beth do a you know just a moderated discussion. We'll do an interview with her. And she's very, uh, she's very personable, like she's very humanistic. She just shares her stories from her upbringing. She's quite self-deprecating and um, and the teams love it. And also so showing some vulnerability, um, which I think is important for all of us. So in that way, um, I think being a good mentor. The other one, actually, I will mention. So we have a reverse mentorship program at Landa Lakes, which I love. And I had one of our supply chain associates, um, Keila Johnson, who was my... Um, mentor this year, just to really learn from her her experiences, what's important to her. We have some great discussions around, you know, the changing way people think about like sharing salaries today, which is what a lot of the young folks do. And um and also just her experience as a woman, uh as a black woman working in a production environment. Um, I think she's a millennial, she may be Gen Z. But it's just that's been incredibly helpful for me because especially I think when you get to, you know, my point in my career, um, I certainly don't know it all, but it's just really good to tap into folks who are coming up in their career and understand how you can help them as a leader. So that's been, that's been really powerful.
0: Yeah, that's not a new concept, but it's such a good one. And it's one that we don't act on enough, you know, in informal ways as you're doing, but even in informal ways, it's, it's so easy to get out of touch
1: yeah. And, you know, I, had, I was on a call with some folks recently, some other CMOs, and they were like, yeah, you know, the first thing to go in our budgets is anything to do with diversity or, mm. you know, stuff. And I said, it doesn't always have to cost a lot of money. No. It's just time, yeah. you know, it's just pick up the phone and call people or get on a Zoom with somebody or have a conversation. I said, I, I found those things in in just in invaluable in how I lead the team. Um, I always pride myself in staying connected to all levels of my team. I think that's super important to be able to identify talent, but also to help them uh, and help their leaders. So it's, that's been a great way to do that.
0: Well, the program I run in Cannes every year at the festival for CMOs, we always bring in five young people to sit mm-hmm. in front of this group and say what they expect of management and leadership. And right. it is always the most profound and thought-provoking session, Always.
1: Yeah, it's uh very interesting. In fact, it was so one of the points she made was being in a production environment. She's a young black woman. She said there are people who want to treat her like the her her daughter, their their daughter, so they're trying to be really uh nurturing and um protective. And she said I don't want that. <laughs> and then there're others who are dismissive. So she said it's just it's really interesting because I hadn't really thought about that perspective. It's like people are with tons of good intent are trying to be protective and treat her more as family. And she said, I want to be treated as a young professional. I want to be learning. I want to be, I want to be measured in that way. I want to be uh, treated in that way. And I thought that was kind of really interesting. So some really some ahas in that.
0: Who's been the most inspiring person in your life?
1: Ooh, my mom, I would say. So my mom is 86 years old. Um She's living in Scotland. Um, she's, you know, she's, she's lawn bowling every, you know, every week. She's, uh, she, every time she gets involved in some kind of club or whatever, she ends up running it. (laughs) Not because she necessarily wants to, because people just lean on her for that. Um, she walks every day. Uh, she was in the middle of COVID. So she's an assisted living. And, uh, in the middle of COVID, they had a hard rule in Scotland that you couldn't go more than five miles from your house unless you were going for food or or for to the pharmacy so she put cans of soup in the (laughs) back of her car so if she ever got stopped she could just say oh i went out for (laughs) um but you know she came from she came from humble beginnings too and um she went through some really big challenges in her life and i just i look at her now and i probably wouldn't have said the same thing four years ago or five years ago but I look at her now and I'm just, I'm amazed at her every day and her spirit and how she does things, how she treats people. And, you know, she's just, there's nothing better than hearing your mom say they're proud of you. So (laughs) I strive for that all the time.
0: Well, make sure she listens to this podcast on one of her walks.
1: Yes. And make sure she
0: stays within five miles. We don't want to break any rules here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you, Heather. The last discussion was terrific. This was even better. So, so good to see you. Congratulations on all, everything you're doing and on the amazing purpose. It's so authentic to you and so important for the world. So it's really been wonderful to chat about that. There was a lot to learn.
1: I really appreciate it. And I love the opportunity. And, um, you know, thank you too for having me back. I feel privileged to do that. And, uh, you know, thanks, thanks so much. It's a great conversation. Thanks, Jim.
0: That was my conversation with Heather Malinchuk three gems from this one to apply to your business brand and life. The first one, this was a masterclass in building an enterprise purpose for a company. Land Lakes is a multi-brand company and Heather and her team embarked on creating their purpose and she involved so many people in the process. The big lesson was involve everyone and follow the stories. Second takeaway, the power of reverse mentorship. Heather talked about how she is being reverse mentored right now at Land Lakes. It's not a new concept, but it's a concept we sometimes do not act on as much as we should. And third takeaway, stay close to your customers, your owners, your partners, your stakeholders. Heather is a beautiful leader in this regard. She stays very close to her customers, to her team, to her owner members at Land Lakes, And she was great at that at Harley Davidson as well. And bonus takeaway joined a company with a great CEO. Heather works for Beth Ford, wonderful CEO, big reason she joined the company, and it's a big reason she is thriving. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.